Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would release your spirit for those who are watching. I ask, Lord God, right now that as we uh, gather in our homes just for this week for our Bible study and our RCC service, I ask, Lord God, that we would be attentive that we receive from your word, that you would speak to us, even in our homes. Thank you for the power of technology, Lord, that we were able to speak to the masses from the comfort of our homes or from the comfort of whatever place and still get the word of God out. We thank you, Lord God. I bless our RCC family. Lord, I pray for those who are sick right now, for those who are in our leadership team that have been suffering uh, illnesses and for uh, COVID or any type of virus, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus on them, and I speak healing for them. I speak quick recovery for all in our community, all in our leadership that are currently going through uh, sickness, uh, fighting COVID. Father, we say it is well in Jesus' name, and they are healed, and their body recovers quickly in Jesus' name. We plead the blood of Jesus over our community, and we thank you for the power of health, Lord God. Your word says the angel of the Lord encamps those who fear you. So we ask that you would encamp us. Lord, bless us, illuminate your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, listen, man, let's interact together. I know that this is uh, not the best way uh, that we like to gather, but let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and just uh, get uh, together and comment. That, that, that is my like amen corner, right? So I can't hear you say amen, but if you, if you type amen or if you say, come on, somebody or something, it, that, will, that will be engaging. So make sure that you are uh, letting me know you're watching. We're going to start from a, a book that usually a lot of uh, pastors don't start in on Sunday mornings. We're going to start on uh, in Leviticus 25. Thank you for that. Amen. Uh, uh, Brother Gary, um, make sure you guys type amen if you're watching. <laughs> All right. Leviticus chapter 25, uh, verse 1 through 4. Um, something stood out to me. And I know Leviticus is not the most popular scripture uh, to some. Uh, when it starts um, talking about uh, Sunday morning service. But I found something in Leviticus. Uh, you know, no, no, no Bible scripture is boring if you have the spirit of revelation. Amen. And so um, when I was on vacation, I, I saw something that just stood out to me in Leviticus 25. We're going to read it in just a minute. But because we don't have the screens, I'm going to give you guys a minute to actually turn or get your tablet to Leviticus 25 verse one through four. Okay. And before I, before I read, I want to tell you why I, I, I felt the Lord brought this a scripture to me. It's because um, last week we were talking about the four spices that the Old Testament used for, for incense, you know, and it was uh, very specific, each spice that did something or was made a certain way. And I took the spiritual significance to make spiritual incense for that. And one of the things that struck a chord is with one of the spices, it was a um, it was a breaking, it was a um, like a, a breaking off or a cutting, and then we spoke of pruning. And there's a lot of people that I could tell, uh, even though pruning, in the topic of pruning is pretty popular uh, and kind of known, there was a lot of people that wrote me and, and said, I'm in a pruning process, I'm in a pruning season. And it's so, it's so amazing how often we, we tend to forget what pruning is, because pruning is from the Lord. And as you'll see uh, last week, and you see this week, Pruning comes when you're bearing fruit. That, that's an insane thought. 
pruning only comes from the Lord when you're already bearing fruit. When you're not bearing fruit, there's other things that, will, that God will do. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what you're going to see in Leviticus 25, the principle of this, and what had happened. Just a backstory before we read, the Lord told uh, 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 Moses and told the people, the eldership, the leaders there, um, the instructions of, of, watch this, when to plant, when to prune, now, now listen to me very carefully, and when to rest. There was actually a plan, a very specific plan from the Lord to, to plant for six years, prune for six years, then rest one whole year. And when I read that, I heard the phrase planting, pruning versus God's discipline and resting. And these are the staircases of what I'm calling the staircases of the progression of maturity and growth. So we all want to grow, but many of us don't know how to grow. We want to be strong. We want to mature. The writer of Hebrews said, by now you should be teachers, right? But it never kind of tells us how to you know, verbatim. You have to search other scriptures, combine it together to know how to grow. The worst thing that, you, that could happen for any believer is to stay at the same level for many years and stop growing, okay? And so um, I believe God is asking us to grow. So I'm going to entitle this, uh, the, the, the spiritual ladder of growth. And the subtitle is planting, pruning, and resting. Now, in those three, I'm going to go off into little branches uh, because there's not just only pruning and it's not only resting. I'm going to tell you what resting is um, it, when it comes to this context. Um, and I'm going to tell you what pruning versus God's discipline is. But all, everybody say all, type all, all will produce some sort of radical growth. And I said that right. Radical growth to those who yield to the pruning, those who are straight to yield to God's discipline, and the need for planting and resting. So it's planting, pruning, resting. With that in mind, look at Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1 through 4. This is, this is, this popped out at me. While Moses, verse one, was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. Okay, now look at, this is a prophetic thing that popped out to me. For six years, you may plant, right? Type out plant, this is important. Plant your fields for six years and then prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. So you plant, once you plant, you have a responsibility to prune. All this is for growth of the crops. All this is for growth of fruit in your life, okay? He says you will plant for six years and at the same time, then you will prune your vineyards and then harvest the crops. Now watch this. But during the seventh year, this is crazy. Not just you, the land. The seventh year, the land, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. Wow. The, 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 the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest, okay? Which I'm going to also translate spiritually as the word abiding. You will see the word rest and abiding really go hand in hand. When you take a spiritual implication of rest, it's not just going to sleep, which we're going to talk about that. The physical importance of rest is very important for growth. I said that right. You're going to see in, this, in, a, in a few moments in this message that physical rest, and I'm finding that out hard, the hard way, is actually a recipe for you to grow in the natural. 
your organs to stay re refreshed. And the spiritual, uh, physical rest is going to help you grow as well. But resting spiritually is talking about abiding close intimacy with God. So anytime you see the word rest, you see the word abiding spiritually on there. Abiding, waiting, uh, abiding, resting, abiding, staying, right, uh, with the Lord. That's what resting means. And I'm going to prove it in the book of Hebrews where, where it says we need to enter into that rest. The writer of Hebrews didn't just say enter into that rest like sleeping well. He's talking about another rest. So watch this. Six years you'll plant, you'll prune to get the harvest. Then on the seventh year, you must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. That means a whole year that the, the Bible says that uh, a whole year, you're not going to plant, you're not going to prune, you're just going to rest. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even sound spiritual, but God says, if you're going to grow, you need to listen to my instructions, not yours. There has to be an intentional rest for a whole year to give the land a break. Oh my gosh in order to produce fruit, okay? Then it says, um, uh, then the, the scripture says, it is the Lord's Sabbath, do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that rest. I'll say that again. Do not plant, don't prune during the rest. So he gives us instructions to plant, to prune for that, you know, that six years. Then he says, hey, one whole year, you're not gonna do anything but rest. Now, if I were to say that to somebody uh, in 2021 and say, hey, you've, you've planted, you pruned, just take a, take a time to rest for a whole year. People are going to think I'm insane. People are going to think I'm crazy. You know, people are going uh, uh, to think that, that you're going to uh, be in a, uh, you know, not spiritual state. So watch this. We're going to break down these three things, all right? Number one is planting. Tap out the word planting. We must be purposeful to plant things in our lives to grow. Now, for those of you that joined in a little later, I'm calling this message the staircase or the, the, the progression of the staircase of spiritual maturity and growth in our lives. And I'm subtitling it, planting, pruning, resting. And in those three things, there's, there's, these are recipes to grow. I've asked people, well, how do you grow? How do you grow? Now, I bet you never heard planting as part of growth, okay? Now, planting is important because uh, you have to have foresight and vision to see its benefit because planting, listen to this, is not for the immediacy, it's for the future. In other words, planting is not fun for a lot of people because they don't see immediate results. Planting is only successful when you have vision for the future because when you plant something, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up when you have a spiritual famine in your life, the things that you've planted in your life at one time intentionally will start coming out of your life. So he said plant, okay? So planting see, uh, speaks of getting the right things inside of you for your future growth. Please hear me what I'm saying. Planting speaks of being intentional of what am I going to put in me for future growth. Again, people get frustrated because no one plants something and then the next day you see a full fruit of it. Planting has to have vision that says, you know what? I'm making deposits into my spirit. I may not feel like I'm getting anything out of the word of God right now or, or from righteous living or from fasting or from disciplining myself or from restraining myself. But what you're doing is you're planting your fields. Come on. You're planting your fields. God gave uh, the Moses instructions in Leviticus for one whole, sorry, for, for six years, you're going to plant and you're going to prune. You want growth, Moses? You want growth? You're going to have to plant. Nobody talks about planting anymore. We just talk about receiving. We talk about this. 
but you need to plant. Now, the, the, the dangerous thing about that people don't realize about planting is that planting it's not enjoyable now because we need stuff right now. Come on, God, we need stuff right now. I'm going through stuff right now, but you need to keep planting. So planting is, is uh, I, I, you can't get any fruit of any kind if you never plant. Come on. You can't get any fruit of any kind if you never plant anything. If you, if you want a mango, you can't get a mango if you don't plant a mango seed. If you want an avocado, you can't have a future ripe avocado if you don't plant the seed now. Now, you're going to have to wait a couple of years before you reap that. But let me tell you, when you do, it's a result of you having foresight a couple of years ago to plant something knowing that you are going to get immediate results. Come on. Come on. When you get immediate results and you're looking for immediate results, then most people quit planting. Therefore, when the time of famine hits their life, spiritually speaking, they have nothing to withdraw from. You must make deposits in your life when you don't feel anything and when you maybe not uh, benefit right now. That doesn't mean that if you read the word that you're not going to get anything right now. But there's some people that only read the word to get something right now. But sometimes you have to read the word when you don't feel anything. Sometimes you have to read the word and get something in you. And you may say, well, I don't know why I'm reading this right now. I don't know why. I'm going through this discipline, but guess what? Two years later, the Holy Spirit's going to go into the filing cabinet of your heart when you're going through a trial, and he's going to say, hey, remember that thing you planted two years ago that you felt was nothing? Pull it out of it. Pull it out of your drawer right now. Pull it out of that. Let me pull it out of the cabinet of your heart, and let me pull that scripture out because you planted it, and now it's going to reap obedience in your life. Come on, say amen. That is awesome. So a recipe for growth is planting, all right? Um, planting speaks of the spiritual deposits that you make in your life to grow inside of you, to gain strength, to gain maturity, to gain victory. Spiritual deposits, spiritual applications that you're planting now. You know, some of you, I feel in my spirit that the things that you're sowing now, you may feel like it's dry. You may feel like, man, I, I don't see any results of it. Just wait. What you're doing yourself a favor is it's like if the future you, if the future you could come back in time and say, hey, and say anything to you, he'll say or she'll say to you, hey, don't stop planting. I'm going to need this in three years from now. Come on. Hey, 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 don't, don't, don't stop planting. Don't stop doing good. Don't be, don't be weary and well doing for, because in three years from now, you're going to go through some things because I'm the future you and you're going to need what you're planting now in order for you to grow. So part of the growing process is planting. Now, I want to say this before I go to the next one. A lot that we have a lot of baby and immature believers that never progress into strength and victory in their lives because they've never planted anything of biblical significance in their life. Think about what I just said. We have a lot of baby and immature believers that never progress into strength and victory. They're always falling. They're always, they're always falling to something weak. There's always going into a pattern. They never walk out full victory because they never planted something of biblical significance to, to last long enough for them to actually reap it a couple of years from now. They need to start planting. Again, for those of you who, who just joined me, planting sometimes is not fun. Who enjoys planting something when you're hungry right now, right? If, you, if, you, if you're hungry for avocado and you're planting avocado right now, you're not going to get the, that, that benefit from that planting. 
But guess what? You will one day. You will one day. And that's a powerful, powerful lesson that we have to have. So for growth, we need to plant your mind, my mind, your heart, my heart are grounds, what I call grounds that have potential to produce a high spiritual percentage of return for the Lord. And when I was on vacation, I felt the Lord say that our hearts and our mind, think about this, what I'm about to say. For those of you who are in investment, investing companies, for those of you who are uh, love numbers and banking and, 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 and percentages of your money, the Lord says our heart and our mind is the greatest spiritual banking system in the universe. <laughs> this is awesome. Our hearts and our mind is the greatest spiritual banking system in the universe. You say, why? Because when you put your money into a CD or, 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 a, or a IRA or a mutual fund, even you could get the highest percentage. You put it in there. What's the purpose that you put funds away, even when you can spend it uh, for uh, in a mutual fund or a savings account or retirement or 401k, so that you plant it now, so you when you retire, you have money to live. If not, you don't have money, money to live on. But watch this. When your heart and your mind is the spiritual bank of God that has the highest percent return. It has no limit because Holy Spirit's inside of you. So guess what? When you deposit and plant something now for your future, the return will be exponential when, when it's time to reap. There's things I'm reaping now that I planted two years ago. There's things I'm reaping now from the church that I planted when we started the church. Why? I have more freedom to do the things that I want to do now because now we're a four and a half, maybe five years old, and I have more freedom to allow a lot of my leaders to do things versus me do everything, right? Why? Because you plant those things in the beginning years so that you could reap in the later years. Some of you, you need to have vision to plant. Don't just waste your time. Don't just be, oh, well, I'll read, I'll read the word and I'll, I'll start really going all out when, when things get tough. No, things are already getting tough. Start planting now. Now, here's a little scripture before we go to the second uh, phrase. For those of you who came late, the phrase I gave was planting, pruning, and resting. Those are all recipes for growth. If you want spiritual growth, you must have these in your life, okay? Philippians chapter 4. You could turn there to your, in your Bibles and, or your tablets. Look at what Paul the Apostle says about planting things in our mind, okay? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, right? Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, okay? True, noble, just, pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report. Now watch this. If there is any virtue in any of these things and praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Listen, you know what meditate on these things mean? Put something, plant something in your mind that's trustworthy. Plant things in your mind that are noble. Plant things in your mind that are pure. Plant them in your heart that are lovely. Whatever things are good report, plant them in your life. Why? Because fruits of maturity only come through what you choose to plant today. Before I go to the next one, I'll just say this. Tomorrow's maturity... Tomorrow's strength is what you plant today. I'm going to say that again. Tomorrow's victory, tomorrow's maturity is a direct result of what you plant today. You just don't stumble across victory. You just don't stumble across uh, maturity. You plant it and then it will give fruit to maturity as you walk it out. Amen. And so this is a beautiful thing. So have vision to plant. Many of you don't. Many is like, I want it now, many of you now. No, no, no. 
I've learned planting is a key to growth. Now the second one, now I'm gonna take a lot more time on this one because I'm gonna break something really um, controversial, I guess, uh, into the whole mix of this uh, because unfortunately we've preached a gospel where we preached uh, about the Lord that only has one emotion all the time. We don't ever speak about the different ways that God deals, listen, with his children, with his children. If I were to make a poll with many of you parents here, there's different ways that you deal with your, with your kids. Uh, there's times you reward them for uh, doing good. There's times you take things away because you know it's going to harm them. That's pruning, taking things away, taking things away. But there's sometimes you discipline them. And when you discipline them is because they're, doing, they're not doing something that's pleasing in your sight. But yet you have to do it. If you're a good parent, listen to me. If you withhold disciplining your kids, uh, you will reap a rebellious kid okay uh this is just the, 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 the what the bible says spare not the rod right so you, if you love your kid if he's doing something she's doing something erratic and uh against your will if you just say sit there it's like well you know what i'm just gonna love them all the time and never discipline them you're actually uh biblically not being a true father being a true mother now why do i say that because we all know about pruning. We're gonna talk a little bit about pruning. That's the, that's the next step. He said, you will plant six years. You'll also prune to collect the harvest. Now, last week when I talked about pruning, I got a lot of uh, good testimonies. They said, you know, after service, I'm in a pruning season. And just for a review, I'm gonna talk about the difference between pruning and, and God's discipline, okay? Please hear me without tuning me out. There is such a thing. Let me just reverse it. God does discipline his children. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to prove it to you, okay? His children, his children, those who belong to him, when they go astray and they're kind of refusing to, to follow with the Lord, those who are originally his, he will discipline. Now, remember, pruning are those that are bearing fruit already. The Bible says in John 15, we'll read it again in just a little bit. And John 15 says, those who are bearing fruit God pruned. So the good news is if you're in a pruning season, it's because you're already bearing fruit. So pruning is, are, according to John 15, are for those who are already bearing fruit, so you could bear more fruit. It almost doesn't make sense, does it, right? It doesn't make sense. It's like, wait a minute, I thought those who are not bearing fruit, you're going to prune and cut. No, those who are bearing fruit, he cuts, he, he breaks in a, in, a, in a sense to bring more character of, of God, to bring more uh, humility, to bring more holiness, right? more fruit. So the good news is this, if you're in a pruning season, it's because you're doing something good. If you're, if you're in a pruning season, if your organization is in a pruning season, if your ministry is in a pruning season, it's, it's a cutting away of things, but it's because the Bible says you're already bearing fruit. Please remember that. It is not a punishment season. It's not a, 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 a chastening, in a sense, season. That's God's discipline. I'll talk about that in a second. Pruning is to get more fruit out of you, more maturity out of you, more strength out of you. We go from glory to, excuse me, to glory. So pruning speaks of building up character and Christ-likeness uh, through uncomfortable processes, trials and tribulation. Uh, by, de by definition, pruning is the removal or the reduction of certain parts in a plant or a tree that are not necessary or required. I'm gonna, I read that from 
uh, Webster's Dictionary, so I'm going to see that again. Pruning, by definition, is the removal or the reduction of certain parts in a plant or a tree uh, that are not necessary or required. Now, the Lord gave me this powerful, powerful illustration that I never saw on pruning. Those of you, you've heard me speak on pruning. There's different, there's so many ways. But the Lord added another revelation to pruning, which I never saw. After reading a couple of things and seeing a couple of things of some other things that I read, I realized that pruning, the Lord uses pruning season to teach us how to watch this, let go of something. Think about what I'm about to say. So the Lord uses pruning. So this is our grip on something that is in our lives that has, has become unhealthy in our lives, right? We're bearing fruit, but there's something uh, in our lives that is a potential hazard, right, to our fruit bearing. So what he does, what, what, what we do is we hold on. What, what the power of pruning is, is the releasing of the grip of something that we are holding on to because it's a cutting away of things that no longer are necessary anymore. At one time, that plant or that tree needed that branch. At one time, that tree needed, needed that leaf. But now that leaf has come a little bit to a place where it's now covering, watch this, it's covering the, the fruit from exposure to these nutrients, so it has to be cut away, all right? So one, one time it was kind of maybe necessary or was kind of just part of your walk, but now has grown and has to be cut away. So pruning essentially is the removing or releasing of your grip that you have something that is now become harmful or um, unhealthy uh, to your growth. Uh, and there's a multitude of things that we have a hold on, that we hold too dear on, that the Lord has to open our grip. That's what pruning is, is releasing the grip of, no, I can't, I can't live without this, Lord. I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I got to have this in my life. Or I got to have, I got to watch this show, Lord. There's nothing necessarily bad about the show, but it's taking, it's what, what's happening is when anything becomes an idol in your life, even if it's casual, you know, you, you watch, you can't miss this game. You can't miss, you can't miss watching this show. You can't miss uh, uh, doing this activity, right? Well, God forbid that God wants you to have that day free so you can do things for the Lord, for your family, or the things he's called you to do. Those are the things that he says, okay, I'm going to start pruning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this go of your life because watch this. Some things that we hold on to tightly becomes idols in our lives and idols create an obstacle between us and God. And the idol uh, will create this obstacle and then um, in our lives and then God wants to bless us with something greater. So that's the pruning, right? Now I want us to talk about the difference between pruning and God's discipline. God's discipline um, for God's people. Now, before you, before you shout me out, listen to what I'm saying. God's pruning in our life is because we're doing something good and bearing fruit. Just mark that down. God's pruning is because we're doing something good and we're bearing fruit. God's discipline is because we're doing something that is not pleasing to the Lord or that is bad. That's God's people. And it hinders our fellowship with God. There's a difference. God's pruning and God's discipline may feel the same. It may feel different. It may feel similar, sorry. But it's two different responses from the Lord. And both, and I say this again, both are motivated by God's great love for you. If during the process that I've gone through, 
I've questioned myself, Lord, am I in a pruning season or am I in a disciplining season? Either way, I yield to the Lord, right? Either way, I said, if you're, if you're, I heard, I heard the, one of the scriptures, but I forgot where it was. Uh, I think it was David. He said, I'd rather fall into the hands of the Lord than to the hands of man. Let the Lord do whatever he needs to do with me. Discipline me. Just don't, just don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, right? Uh, so, so disciplining is from the Lord, but unfortunately it happens as a part of growth when we are going astray or we're, we're disobedient and we continually go our way and, or disobedient doesn't mean that you're um, uh, just, you know, purposely saying, I'm never going to serve the Lord again. No, it's maybe just doing your own thing. Maybe it's just, you're just getting angry and God is nudging your heart and saying, don't get angry. And you're like, no, I'm getting angry because you're not coming through and I'm getting angry. And so you just keep on doing that. So God says, okay, you're going in a way that is astray from my word. So in my love, I'm going to bring growth to you, but it's going to be through my discipline. Now, I want to say this, this is very important. God's discipline should not be confused with God's judgment. God's judgment comes uh, on the people that do not want anything to do with the Lord. They are not repentant. They are hard-hearted, and, uh, and they want nothing to do with the Lord. They don't want to repent. They don't want anything to do with the Lord. And that's when judgment comes on a nation. Judgment comes on people. God's discipline comes on people that are his children that have gone astray, right, astray. Or they're going through a pattern of addiction, a pattern of bondage that they refuse to let go of. So then God kicks it into second gear and he brings his discipline, okay? Uh, so I, I say that because there's a huge difference between John 15 and Hebrews 12, okay? John 15 is pruning, it bears fruit. Hebrews 12 is God's discipline and it brings fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. But the, the, the motivation of why God brings pruning and the motivation why God brings his discipline are two different things. I don't necessarily invite, hey, Lord, I want to grow, so discipline me. No, that's not the way it goes. I want to be pruned. I don't want to be disciplined because if I'm being disciplined by God, it's because I'm doing something that's not pleasing to the Lord. And be, watch this now. And then out of his great love, he says, okay, I'm going to bring a discipline. Now, please listen to what I'm saying. You parents out here, you, some of you are going to say, well, I don't know about that. You're what, which one of you parents don't discipline your kids? Don't discipline your kids. I'm talking about a good parent, right? Don't discipline your kids when they're being rambunctious and crying and you're saying stop five times and they don't stop. Guess what happens? You're going you're gonna to either give them a little pop out. You're going to either take them to the room. You're going to take away their toys and you're going to discipline them. Now, are you a bad father? Are you a bad mother? Uh, because you discipline them when be, they're being rambunctious? No, on the contrary. You're a good father, you're a good mother. When you discipline your kids, why? Because it's teaching them. You will not get away with doing what you want in this house because this is my house and it's my rules and you're going to be trained to live right. Guess what? You have to, if those who are your children, if you don't discipline them, the Bible says that they're like, you're like illegitimate spiritually. I want to read Hebrews 12 and the NLT. And I want to say this, this is so powerful. Some of you in the pruning season, unfortunately, but it depends how you see it. Some of you, because you're just taking advantage of God's mercy, God's grace, you're still going a certain route that you know it's not right. You know it's not right, right? And you keep on going that route, and God in his love will start bringing his discipline now to you. Please remember that. 
I'm going to read John 15 a little bit so you know what I'm talking about. It's all scriptural. Pruning comes to those who are bearing fruit. Those who are not bearing fruit in certain areas, there's discipline. There's God's discipline, right? To get us back on track. That's the whole goal, all right? Now watch. You want maturity? Sometimes it comes a hard way, <laughs> all right? Now watch this. Hebrews 12, verse 7 through 11 in the NLT. 7 through 11 in the NLT. This is good stuff. Someone type. He's preaching better than you're saying amen. All right. So Hebrews 12, verse 7. Listen to this. NLT. As you endure, quote, verse 7. As you endure this divine discipline. Oh, wait. Discipline? I didn't say that. God said that. As you endure this divine discipline. Divine. That means it's from the Lord, right? Not from the devil. Okay. Remember that God is treating you. Oh, my gosh. This is so amazing. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. I don't even have to go there. I'm going to go, but think about this. He is saying, if you're being disciplined, it hurts. But he is treating you as his own children because you're going astray. You're doing some things that are not pleasing in his sight. So therefore, he has to kick in from pruning to disciplining. Watch. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Hello. Hello. Who ever heard? I'm reading word for word from the Bible. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. I didn't, I didn't add anything. I'm reading word for word. You're illegitimate if you're without discipline and you're not his children at all. <laughs> Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, that word discipline is like a curse word in some of our language, right? Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But watch this, watch this. But God's discipline is always good for us. I'm reading that word for word. God's discipline is always good for us. Someone's typed that in the chat. God's discipline is always, not sometimes, always good for us so that we may, might share, watch this, in his holiness. What's the reason for discipline? What's the reason for God's discipline? Is that there be produced right living. What's the reason I discipline my children when they're, so that they can behave right? What's the discipline? What's the reason you discipline your kids so they can live right? Watch this. Listen. I'm going to read that for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Oh, some of you are watching the body of Christ a lot nowadays. Well, God, I don't believe, you know, I believe in pruning, but I don't think God will ever discipline us. You're wrong. Listen to this. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing what's best he knew, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable for while it's happening. I've never seen anybody get spanked laughing at the same time. Like, this feels so good. I'm getting spanked by my dad. Woo! Keep it coming, Jesus. You know, no. Like it's, I've never seen any child be corrected and smile and laugh. They cry. They get irritable. Watch this. But you're knocking off the flesh out of them. You're knocking out bad behavior out of them. Come on, somebody. Watch. It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. While it is happening. While it is happening. It's painful. I'm reading word for word. But afterwards, after the discipline, there will be a peaceable fruit of harvest of right living, of right living, a harvest 
of right living for those who are trained by it. Glory to God. Can we just have a praise break here? Let's defunct this idiotic theology that the God of love will never discipline us. Oh, he's just a God of love. He just, you know, I'm going through a pruning season. But let's just check yourself. Are you going through a pruning season? Or are you going through a disciplining season? Which one is it? Only you can answer that. If you're bearing fruit and you're living for the Lord and you're examining yourself. And listen, sometimes the discipline of God comes through our own open doors of disobedience. So it's not like he's just saying, hmm, who could I discipline today? No, 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 no. Our open doors of disobedience releases, releases the discipline of God. I want to show you proof. You say, you're going to show me proof? Yes, I'm going to show you proof of somebody that you and I believe that he served God all the ways, days of his life and he never did anything wrong. But you're going to see how this one person that I'm going to show you in the Bible, actually the Lord says he didn't follow God all the way and he got disciplined by the Lord. And so while I was on vacation, I heard the Lord while I was walking, the Lord say to me the phrase, he says, he said, notice there are certain phrases when I sum up the character of the men and women of God in the Bible, there's either two phrases that God uses to sum up, to sum up the, the character of men and women of God in the Old Testament. You know what it was? This phrase was, and so-and-so, watch this, and so-and-so did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Do you remember that? Like when they're talking about, when they're talking about um, um, uh, Uzziah, they're talking about David, they're talking about Saul, when they're talking about uh, Josiah, it says, and Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now this phrase is consistent throughout the Bible. I, I encourage you to look it up. So, so, those are the things that pruning comes because he's doing what's right in the Lord. But then there's other phrases that says, and so-and-so, the people of leadership, people of influence, did not fully follow the Lord or did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And guess what happened to these leaders? Guess what happened to these people that were an influence that were God's people or God's chosen at one point and then they went astray? Guess what happened? Are you ready? You guessed it. God's discipline went on them almost all the time for one purpose. It was painful but to get them back on track. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Stop preaching. We have preached a gospel of pruning, but we've stopped preaching the gospel of God's discipline. They're both. God's pruning is for those who love, uh, sorry, who are bearing fruit, but God's discipline are for those that God is trying to spare from the permanent route of erratic living, and he's giving them discipline. You would do the same thing with your kid. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna say something very powerful. I would dare to say you are a, I don't want to say horrible, but you're not a good parent if you allow your kids to do whatever they want because you're afraid of confronting them. You're not a good parent if you just say, well, you know, my teenager is doing this. I'm just going to leave them alone. I'm just, it's just between them and God. No, no, no. Yes, you, you pray to the Lord, but you have a responsibility, mom. You have a responsibility, dad, to lovingly discipline your kids and say, come here. You will not do that again. Not while you're living in this house. I don't care. I don't care. There has to be consequences then. Because if you don't, guys, that person will grow up as the, a, a spoiled brat who does not. And the first time a teacher or anybody brings correction to them, they will refuse it and be rebellious. Why? Because they don't get disciplined at home. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. Those kids, the majority of them, that don't understand spiritual correction, spiritual chastening from spiritual leaders or even correction from their bosses and they don't know how to submit to that it's a good sign that they probably never got corrected in a healthy way or disciplined in their home
That's, that's, you could take that to the bank because someone that is used to yielding to a boss or to authority, to a teacher and not, and, and not be erratic to them understands that at one point they've got corrected by their parents. Thank God for correction. Now watch this, watch this. Let's talk about someone who walked with the Lord. All right. And then experience God's discipline, not pruning for growth, God's discipline, because at his latter years, he started going astray. What am I saying? What is Pastor George saying? You could start off right and get the pruning to grow. And then in the middle and in some port in your life, veer off to doing your own thing, not yielding to the things of the Lord, just saying, no, I don't want to do it. I'm going to be disobedient on purpose because I'm just tired of living this way. And I'm going to take a little couple of seasons for myself. You will endure God's discipline. Now watch this. You know who that person is? Solomon. Some of you guys have been with me for a long time, know this story. This is one of my favorite stories, okay? To me, this is still a shock that Solomon, who at one point had great favor in his life, right? Great favor, uh, uh, the richest man who ever lived, a trillionaire, right? He was entrusted with all this money and gold to build the, the things of God, the work of the Lord, the temple, right? This person wrote most of the Proverbs, wisdom, wisdom, right? You would think, oh, this guy has it all. He wrote uh, uh, Ecclesiastes and all these things. The Bible says towards the end of Solomon's life, he compromised big time and he never would return. He kept doing it. Now watch, you'll see, he endured. God had to release a discipline, no longer pruning, a discipline that was a rough patch that he had to endure to eventually humble himself to get him back. Now, now watch this. Second, first Kings chapter 11. I'm talking about Solomon, guys. Solomon, right? And you're right. Look at the, I'm seeing these comments. For God loves, he corrects. And I, 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 um, for those he delights, he corrects. Now watch this. Now look at first Kings 11, guys. This is Solomon, the guy who wrote Proverbs, the guy who wrote Ecclesiastes. Guys, the, the guy who did Solomon's temple. I want you to read this. Get your Bibles now. It's going to shock you. First Kings chapter 11, verse 4 through 14. Watch what it says. For it was so when Solomon was old, watch this, well, I feel the Holy Spirit, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart, wait a minute, this is a shocker, was not loyal to the Lord. Wait, I'm going to read that again. Solomon's heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. So Solomon went after Ashtoreth. Now, I read this again yesterday, and I was like still shocked about some of the things I read. He went after the god. It was another god, uh, goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon, watch this. Are you ready? Let's, let's read this together. This is almost unheard of. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Solomon? The son of David, the one who had the temple, Solomon's temple, the one who wrote Proverbs, wisdom, the one who wrote Ecclesiastes, Solomon did evil. They must be mistaken. No, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord. Now, I want you to see how the disobedience repeatedly produced God's discipline in his life. You're going to see it right here. It's not God, God, God doesn't just turn his ear. It's like, oh, well, that's just Solomon. But there, because of David, the severity of the discipline was less because of, his, uh, because of the covenant he had with David, with David, his father. Watch. 
And he did not follow the Lord fully, as did his father David. Keep reading with me. Then Solomon built, I couldn't believe this when I read this. Solomon built, he actually took time to build a high place, an idol worship for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem. He actually built it. Spent time, thought about it, built it for other gods. And for Molech, you guys, you guys, do you realize how wicked Molech was? The burning through the fire, tossing babies and killing babies. That's where the God of Molech, where we, we get this whole uh, abortion uh, thing. L listen to this. Solomon built a high place for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives because my boy had a lot of women in his life. And that was his weakness who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry. Wait, wait, wait. The Lord can't be angry with us. The Lord can't be angry with God's people. The Lord doesn't get angry. That's this fluffy, duffy little love that we've been preaching here uh, for the last 10 years in, in these all these movements. The Lord got angry with Solomon. Well, that's Old Testament. I am the Lord who changes not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't you think? That just just because we have the cross, that God just gets happy at our sin, and He never gets He never gets upset with our sin. Yeah, the cross, Jesus did it all. <laughs> Go ahead and just do what you want. No, 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 no. The Lord became angry with Solomon because watch this. Because why? His heart had turned from the Lord. God is not sitting up there saying, "I'm just really mad today." There was a reason why God got angry. I'm going to read it to you. The Lord got angry with Solomon because everybody say because his heart had turned away from the Lord of God who had appeared to Solomon twice and had commanded him concerning these things that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, now ready for this? Ready for this? Here comes God's discipline. You say, Pastor George, show me where God disciplined Solomon. Here's the next verse. Therefore, because of Solomon's sin and unrepented sin, because Solomon was his child, he was, a, he was a child of God. He just was going through a, a season of disobedience. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, here's the discipline. Because you have done this, this is the Lord, and have not kept my command, my covenants and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I, I, not the devil, I will surely tear the kingdom away, that's discipline, from you and give it to your servant. Watch this. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days. For the sake of your father David. Whew, so powerful. But I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Hello? Hello? That's discipline. That's discipline. That's God's discipline. And it's hard. Because hard-heartedness needs hard discipline. Okay? I will tear it out of your hand. Uh, sorry, the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. Look how mercy, merciful God is. I will give you one tribe for your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now watch this last verse. It proves that because of the continual disobedience of Solomon, God released a discipline that would eventually humble Solomon. See, that's what's, what God's discipline is for, to get us back on track. Watch this. Now the Lord, everybody say the Lord. Type out the Lord. The Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. I'm reading this word for word, guys. I'm not adding anything. Wait, I'm going to read that again. The Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. Wait, I thought Solomon was your son. He was, he is. But he's going through a purposeful, purposeful patch of disobedience where he is erecting idols and he is 
uh, fornicating with all these women and he does not want to repent in this season. So I'm going to lovingly bring him back to me by releasing my discipline. Watch this. The Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. Hadad the Edomite, and he was a descendant of the king of Edom. Here's the thing. Solomon started off with the favor of God in a mighty way. Started off. Let me tell you, just because you start off well doesn't mean you're going to end off well. I hope you end off well. But don't take for granted God's grace. Don't take for granted God's mercy that you could just kind of start off well and then just kind of, well, hey, God's hand is upon me. Look, look at the ministry he's given me. Look at the influence he's given me. Look at the people that are being changed in my organization. And we lower our guard down. And what happens is if we have a patch. We all know. We all know. If there's a patch that we know this is not right, but I'm going to do it anyways. If that's the case, in God's great love for you and I, he will send his discipline. So there is a difference between pruning, which is because you're bearing fruit and it's a cutting away of something that has now become harmful for you, but it's because you're bearing fruit. Or the discipline of God because you're not bearing fruit in a certain area, right? Because you're being disobedient and you're doing things that are not pleasing to the Lord like he did to Solomon, okay? Do you know that even David wrote, uh, agreed with this principle? You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. David agreed with this principle, but here's the good news for David. David went on a sour patch for a little bit too. If you remember, he was serving the Lord and then he was disobedient with Bathsheba. You know that everybody knows that that's not obedience, right? Now, that's not pruning. When what The consequence that the Lord gave David was God's discipline because David was doing something temporarily in his, a patch of his life that he knew was wrong, but he did it anyways, okay? Now, watch what David says in Psalm 119, verse 67. Oh, I love this in the NLT. Oh, I love this. This is so beautiful. In the NLT, it used the words that I'm looking for. The New Living Translation, Psalm 119, 67. David, who experienced the love of God, the favor of God, probably like no other, went through a rough patch of sleeping uh, with somebody else's wife, Bathsheba, committing adultery with her, and then killing her, her husband. So he had murder too. Do you see, so watch. Do you think God's going to be like, that's just my servant, David. I'm going to ignore that. No, you know the story. Nathan, the prophet, came gave a parable, said, no, you're the one. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't agree with, uh, with this, what I'm about to say. But the Bible says, because of this, God forgave him. Listen to this. There's a difference between forgiveness and consequence. God will forgive you, but sometimes we still have to reap the consequence of our own decision. That does not mean that God does not forgive you. If, you, if someone goes to jail because they committed murder and they got sentenced and they're going to jail, but on the process, they come to repentance, right? They said, oh my God, I don't know what I did. Forgive me, Lord. Guess what happened? God will forgive them, but they're still going to jail. They're still going to jail. So don't confuse someone reaping consequences as God is not loving or God didn't forgive. God forgave David, but he said his firstborn son, God would not bless his seed. God would not bless the first seed that, had, that came out of disobedience to Bathsheba because the Bible says that that first son died as a stillborn. God would not bless it. God would not bless it. Type what you want, but that's in, the, that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, word for word. He said, therefore, God did not allow him to, to have that son. He got up, right? Now watch this. He learned his lesson in Psalm 119, verse 67, when, when David was going through a rough patch, and he watches, he experienced the discipline of the Lord. Later afterwards, it was painful, but he thanked God. Why? Because the discipline of the Lord brought him back on track. Let me tell you, if you and I have ever received the discipline of the Lord, you will know that it's the discipline of the Lord. You will know because it's a, it's a getting back to, to that, that place through the, uh, uh, 
through our stubbornness and through our, our rebellion. And God still does things so he can discipline us, gives us a Holy Spirit power, power so we can go back. Now watch what Psalm 119 says. I used, I used to wander off. This is word for word. Psalm 119, you can read it in your Bibles. Verse 67 in the New Living Translation, David said, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Oh, that, that, there's that magic word, discipline, right? Discipline. Another version says, before, be, uh, before, be, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But in this version, it says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Watch this. But now I closely follow your word. It's almost like, have you ever given a, a, a kid, papa, like, you know, like, like uh, when they're being rambunctious, they either cry their head, head off or they're like, you know, they get up straight. What happened with David is that he was sinning. And God says, I'm no longer going to use pruning to you because you're not bearing fruit in this area. I'm going to release my discipline. God's discipline is a form of his love, but it's not the choice way of going about growth because we're talking about growth. You know, no one just says, hey, I'm going to be disobedient just so I could grow. No, 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 no. You do not want that, my friends. Okay. David said, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now, but now after the discipline, I have this, I have this mark, right? of the discipline, now I follow your word, all right? Now I follow your word, same way, okay? So, so with our lives. So I just wanna say this, in order for you to grow, you don't need to be disobedient to God to get the discipline of God. But if you are, God's discipline will come to bring you back and bring you mature. Let's stick to the pruning process. What is the pruning process? And I'm, I'm going to do the last one, and then we're going to close. The pruning process is in John 15. And I'm, I know we read it before, but I'm going to read it now just so that you know I talk about God's discipline. Now I'm going to talk about just pruning, right? So you see the difference, right? John 15, uh, verse 1 through 8. And I want you to circle how many times the word abide is in here, okay? I count it seven times. I want you to see every time I see the word abide, highlight it. I want you to see how many times God focuses on pruning and abiding for growth. I am the true vine, uh, John 15, verse 1. I am my father is the, the vine dresser. Every branch that is in it that does not bear fruit, does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Okay? So pruning is for those who are doing and bearing fruit. That it may be bear more fruit. Now watch this. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken. Abide. Rest. That word rest is also abide. Okay? I'm going to say that because that's my last point. I and you and you and me. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide, three, in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You see the pattern here? So it's not just pruning, it's pruning mixed with abiding, right? Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, five, in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide, six, in me, and my words abide, seven, in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Here's the key. That you bear much, not some, much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now look, now look at this. 
Jesus defined here four progressive levels of spiritual fruit. Four progressive levels. What is progressive? It means they build on each other, right? The first type of people, and these are all types of people, by the way, too, spiritually speaking. Four different levels of spiritual growth and four different kinds of, of levels of, spirit, of people in their walk with God. The first level are those who bear no fruit. They're just, they're, they're just not bearing fruit, okay? That's what the Bible says in John 15. In verse 2, it says, then those who bear some fruit, right? Some, sometimes it says some. So someone say talk about some fruit. Because there's some people that bring some fruit, right? These are all levels of spiritual maturity. Verse 2 says, then he then he prunes so they could bear more fruit. So type out more, because I'm going to show you this before we close. And then at the end is much. So here's a progression. Here's a progression. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit, right? He said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Not some fruit, but it's a progression, right? But it comes, the progression of of it getting to that level comes with pruning and abiding, which I'm going to say. Remember the first scripture we read in Leviticus. What was the what was the recipe for 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 getting fruits and harvests in the land? You need to plant. We talked about planting. When you don't see anything, plant for your future. Pruning, and then the difference between pruning and God's discipline. All bring growth, right? Then He said, "Rest for a whole year." I'm going to share this with you because, in, in closing, because I really feel. That that whole God's discipline and rest is two main things that are are for our viewers, for our community, because you need to hear this. Who would ever think rest is part of growth? Now think about it. So so before I end that pruning, I wrote these little things down. The reasons for pruning, right? The reasons for it to remove dead fruit, to expose the fruit to the sun, S-U-N, right? To increase the size and quality of the fruit. That's the reason for pruning and to encourage brand new fruit that never was there before. When, when they cut away those leaves that are covering the fruit is exposing it to the S-U-N. But spiritually, when God cuts away those things in our lives that no longer belong there, he's exposing you to the S-O-N, to the sun. So the, the fruit, the leaf would cover the fruit from the sunlight, which needed the sunlight needed to hit the fruit in order to grow. Well, in our lives, there's certain things that have attached itself while we're bearing fruit that God takes away and it's hurtful, like maybe some friends that no longer um, are edifying in your life, maybe a job that no longer is edifying your life, and God, in his love, starts pruning these things away is a, is a, is a like a slim fast spiritually of taking away things that you think is good, even though it's hurtful in your emotions, is actually good for you, all right? Uh, it's like if you reduce meat uh, and, you, uh, and you eat vegetables, it's going to be good for you. So it's a reduction of things, right? But I want to talk about the last thing for growth, and then we're going to close, which is rest. Remember Leviticus. Leviticus said, you shall plant for six years, you shall prune, then you shall rest. When I read that, I was like, Lord, I never knew that intentional rest in your eyes was so important for growth. Guys, I feel this so strong prophetically now for some of you. Some of you need to learn to calm down and stop what you're doing and intentionally purposefully rest because some of you are getting your identity by what you do you're getting your identity by working you and you think because you have a wrong mindset of god some of you that the more you do for god the happier he is with you and that is that is a lie jesus didn't do a thing a thing yet when he came out of the jordan river and was baptized by john the baptist 
he heard a voice of his father. Well, uh, he said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, he did not do one miracle. He did not do one uh, anointing. He did not cast out any demons. He just said in an English, in an English way, he's just like, I can imagine someone's like, well, why are you pleased with him? He didn't do anything. Who is he? And I can almost imagine the father's response saying, he didn't have to do anything. He's just my son. And that's why I'm pleased with him. Some of you need to just realize that you need to rest from a lot of your overworking, physically and spiritually. Sometimes, many of you, you get your identity by having two jobs, you're constantly on the go, and you never have quiet time. And God says a recipe to grow, according to Leviticus, is you have to rest. As a matter of fact, if you remember that first scripture that I read in the opening scripture, God was very zealous. He goes, you will not plant or prune during your resting time. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. In other words, listen, don't, 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 don't do this, all this work right now. Yet you're doing that. This year. Don't do all this stuff right now. Just rest with me. Don't, don't, don't prepare for a sermon. Don't, 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 don't prepare for this organization. Don't, don't try to, to do all this business right now. Just stay doing nothing. Stay with me. But it's uncomfortable, Lord. That's a sign of growth. It's a recalibration. It's a regrowth. Now watch this. Everybody say rest. Speaks of intimate. Close. I'm almost done. Relationship with God. Rex is actually part of God's recipe for growth, maturity, and personal victory. Rest has to do with abiding. Remember, seven times in the pruning process, we, we, we read the word abide. In other words, you just need to chill out, stop working. As a matter of fact, you know what he told Moses? He commanded him to stop working. <laughs> let that sink in for a second. Let, let that sink in. What if God commanded you, hey, so-and-so, uh, hey, uh, John, or hey, Joey, or hey, uh, Julie, um, stop working. That's my command for your growth. I want to grow, Lord. I want to grow in victory. I want to grow in strength. You've done the pruning. You've allowed me to prune. You've allowed me to do your discipline. You've worked. You've planted you need to rest now. No, 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 no. But I got to stay busy for you. I, I, can't, I can't lose momentum. I can't lose ground. Rest. Rest is a prophetic word for you. My. Rest. Some of you, I feel in the Lord, when you rest physically well, physically well, I want to talk about spiritually while we close. Your nerves, your, your heart, your organs, your muscles rejuvenate. You know that doctors, medical professionals say that as you go to sleep, is the best time out of the whole day where your body replenishes itself, where, where your organs have a chance to heal when you're sleeping. God was so adamant about rest that he told a whole year, you're going to rest a whole year. Give the land a break. That he said, the land, the land's going to rest. Like give it a break from all the plowing. Give the land a break from all the digging. Let it rest. Let it breathe. Wow. I feel the Lord. Some of you just need a good vacation. I mean, that sounds really like like unspiritual you need to you need to purposely rest schedule rest right god so loved rest that he rested on the seventh day from all his work well god never gets tired but he instituted rest for himself how much more not us now watch this watch this i'm going to close with this there's a physical rest and then there's a spiritual rest right both rests are needed for spiritual growth the topic today is climbing the spiritual ladder of maturity, and I'm almost closing, okay? Part of our growing process is to spiritually rest and, uh, and abide, right? 
In other words, Jesus himself becomes our rest. Okay? Now watch this. This is the last scripture. All right? And then we're going to close. We're going to pray. All right? If you're getting something, just put your little hand emoji up there and tell me uh, what you're sensing. All right? If you want to grow and heal, you must rest in him, not apart from him. I'm going to say that again. If you want to grow and heal, we must rest in him, not apart from him. I want to read the last scripture in the, the Passion Translation. This is the final scripture, and we're going to pray, and we're going to close this out. And I hope that you're getting, uh, you're getting the ingredients for spiritual maturity. It's pruning. It's God's discipline sometimes when we're going astray. It's planting, which is not fun because we don't reap it now, but we reap it for the future. And it's resting. I've never saw that. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was on vacation, I heard the phrase planting, pruning, resting. That's the recipe for growth. I'm like, I know pruning, but rest, resting? That's, that's a recipe for growth? Yes. Some of you need to decalibrate from being on 100 miles an hour for so long and know that it's okay to rest. It's okay to rest. Okay, now look at the scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, 8 through 11 in the Passion Translation. Now the promise, watch this, here it is, verse 1. Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. Now this is, this is the Passion Translation in Hebrews. Listen, the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. The writer of Hebrews is saying, watch this, it's not just for the Old Testament. It's not just something that you, you do. It's something for us today. Everybody say resting is for today. Watch this. So we must be extremely careful. I'm writing, I'm reading word for word, right? In the Passion Translation. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of the promise and not fail to experience it. Not fail to experience what? Rest. Do you hear what, what, what God is saying here? God is saying, I don't want you to miss rest. Because that is a recipe for growth. Look at verse 8 through 11. Now, if the promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua was brought, brought the people into the land, God would not have spoken later of another rest yet to come. Watch this. So we conclude. This, I'm, I'm, I'm ending with this, guys. We conclude that there is still a full, watch this, and complete Sabbath rest. I'm reading that word for word from the Passion Translation. We conclude that there is a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience as we enter into God's faith rest. That's what the Passion Translation calls rest, faith rest. As we enter into faith rest, life we cease from our own works. Just as God celebrated his finished works, I'm reading word for word, and rest in them, so then we also, we also, type out we also, must be eager to experience this faith rest life. Oh my gosh. That should be a shirt. Faith rest life. That's what it says. We must be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same patterns of doubt and unbelief. Guys, I'm closing with this. I know many of you are commenting right now because you guys didn't think rest was a recipe. I've, I've experienced a lack of rest has experienced frustration in my life. There's a rest that comes physically, but there's also a rest that comes in him, which is abiding. Some of you are workaholics and you need to 
rest. The secret to knowing God is not work and know that I am the Lord or do good things and know that I am the Lord. It says, be still and know that I am God. Think about it. The recipe for knowing God is resting, is being silent, is being still. You hear me? So what are the spiritual ladders? And I'm going to close for spiritual growth. You want spiritual growth in your life? Here's a spiritual progression of maturity. All right. There's a lot of other things. There's trials, there's tribulations, there, you know, there's, there's um, disciplines that we put. But out of this story, Leviticus uh, 25, right, we read that planting is significant for growth. Right? Say planting. This is a review before we leave, before we shut off. Planting is for the future, not for now. So you have to have insight to plant because it's not joyful right now because you want food now. But trust me, what you're going to eat in three years from now, what you're going to eat in two years from now is what you're planting in your life right now. Come on, somebody. Right? The second recipe for growth is pruning when you're bearing fruit. And also, if you're going astray, if you're hard-hearted, if you're if you're, little, if you're bent in a little bit rebellious way because life has just been too hard and you're going a certain way uh, because you just want to do it because you're tired of living right, then God's discipline comes. Like he did Solomon, like he did David. Not his pruning, his discipline comes. And that's hard, right? That's hard. It'll eventually get you back to your knees. But you don't want to go that route, right? But that is God's discipline. Whom God loves, he chastens and he corrects, right? That's what the Bible says. After the chastening, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. And then lastly, the Bible told Moses, do not do any work after the sixth year. On the seventh year, the land shall rest, watch this, watch this, for a whole year. Read it in Leviticus chapter 25. It's there in the opening scriptures if you came in late. Leviticus 25 verse 1 through 4 is all there. God says you're going to plant to go to grow, you're gonna prune, but then you're gonna rest. And I feel that some of you just need to learn how to rest in him, abide in him, and actually physically rest, like physically. Like enter, like go to a place, shut everything down, and start getting real rest. That will replenish your soul. Because guess what? If you don't have physical rest, you will have no desire to serve the Lord. Or you will not be fruitful because you'll always be tired. You won't wanna read the word, you won't wanna live right, be, you'll be cranky all the time. It's time to grow by getting rest. That's a word for you. Some of you need to repent for overworking. Some of you need to repent for getting your identity in working and working and working as a sign that you're not spiritual. Rest. I'm telling you, God has been spoke, speaking to me. Planting, pruning, God's discipline, and rest. Enter into that rest, that rest, faith rest life, like the Passion Translation says. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask today as they go about their day, Lord God, that uh, we will know the spiritual significance of the, of the instructions you've given us of how to progress in victory, how to progress in strength. It's not only, Lord God, it's not only just reading your word. It's planting. Lord, it's, uh, it's, it's waiting. It's pruning. To some that are astray, they're going through a God's disciplining time, but it's for a purpose to bring them back to the fold, bring them back to righteous living. And then some, they just need to rest. I release the rest of the Lord. I release 
the, the, the abiding of the Lord that says, you know what? It's okay to shut things down, spend time with God, spend time with family and rest as part of my growth. Give your body time to heal by resting. I release the rest of God, the, the rest of abiding in you, that rest that the writer of Hebrews wrote, that, that faith-filled rest, that they would experience that rest so that they would grow. I pray for our RCC congregation. I plead the blood over them. I pray that they will take this word to heart. I, I pray um, that they will not have any more sickness or, or afflictions in their life. And as we gather this week for prayer and as we gather this week, the things of God, I ask that you would be with them and that you would strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.